You know it's Wednesday. Some people call it hump day. We call it draft Wednesday right here on Texans All Access where we put a focus on the draft. And in some cases, we do a draft if you've been following the show for a while. And we have got a draft doozy for you this evening. I am your host, Sean Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. So glad to be with you. We're going to have George Warhop, offensive line coach for your Houston Texans a little later in the show. We'll also have a little in the lab with Drew Doherty and myself. We discuss a prospect each and every week on in the lab. Go a little bit in depth on that guy. And today's guy is Michigan edge rusher defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. So we'll talk to Aiden Hutchinson, whose father played at Cy Fair from Houston. So there's at least that connection, even though Aiden, all he knows is Michigan. So uh, hopefully, maybe one day down the road, he'll know all about Houston living here, playing for the Texans. But that is a discussion for a different day because this Draft Wednesday is special. Now, on Draft Wednesday, we do talk a lot of draft, and we have talked a lot of draft in the past. But we also have sat down to do some very unique drafts. We have gotten Drew, DP, uh, myself, Mark. I'm trying to think if we've had others involved in our draft Wednesdays, we have drafted great Americans. We have drafted uh, guiltiest uh, football pleasures. We have drafted all kinds of things. But one thing we have not had in draft Wednesday is another person. We have never had another person involved in draft Wednesday until today. And that person is general manager Nick Casario. This is awesome. We had a blast chatting up with our GM, Nick Casario. We talked a little bit about the combine, kind of timeline of what's going on, and then we dove in to our Wednesday draft. Mark, myself, and GM Nick Casario. This is fun stuff. Joining us right now on Texans Radio, it's Texans General Manager Nick Casario. Nick, great to see you. Great to see you, fellas. All right, let's dig into it here. The week before the combine, Coaching staff set now. We met with the assistants this week. Your thoughts on the staff now that it's been assembled? Yeah, I'd say over the last seven to ten days, there's been a certain level of stability in the building. The staff's been put in place. You know, we kind of were in high gear there right after Lovey uh, was hired um, and tried to really get the staff solidified even the end of that first week. And then we had a few that trickled over into following week. So I would say experienced staff, a lot of coaches um, that have – that have been in the league in various capacities. Uh, I think you guys talked to uh, Jacques yesterday, so former player, even though he hasn't been coaching but X number of years, at least in the NFL, has NFL experience. But experienced staff, a lot of energy, have seen a lot of different things, have been exposed to a lot of different systems, actually have some background in the systems that we're going to use. And I would say overall familiarity with people that they may have worked with at different points. So Look at Coach Warhop, you know, his relationship with Lovey going back to Tampa Bay and then even having an overlap with Pep at different points. So what we try to do is just try to add familiar faces so that each side of the ball felt comfortable with the group um, as we implement, you know, maybe some new things and make some changes. So from that perspective, I think everybody's just excited to kind of get situated and kind of get started and kind of get moving into the next phase of the offseason program. For you, how much of a, whoo, boy, that's finally done. Is that off your to-do list? Or is that just got to do it, got to get it done, let's just, now let's move to the next thing. Or is that a big thing to get off the checklist? Yeah, it's part of the process. You still want to be thoughtful and, and 
just make sure you make the right decision. Um, you know, there were certain coaches that we earmarked and identified going into it. Um, I'd say certainly Pep was involved in that. Uh, obviously, he's the offensive coordinator um, and having people that he felt comfortable with so that he can disseminate the information to them and then that information get to the players. Um, we were able to keep some of the coaches uh, that were on their staff from last year as well um, that we have a certain level of affinity for. Um, so I think once the staff starts to work together, and I think, you know, you'll, you're seeing the group kind of meet, you know, collectively on a day-to-day basis, you know, offensively. And then defensively, I'd say it's kind of a, a combination of youth plus experience. You know, I think Lovey's experience overall kind of supersedes the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, a guy like Kenyon, um, you know, who I'd say is – a little bit less experience, but, you know, highly thought of and has a background with Lovey. So I think when you look at, especially on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of coaches that have either done some things systematically that are similar or have experience with Lovey or haven't played in the system. So hopefully that will all be beneficial as we start to work with the players. Nick, what about the offense? How do you think it'll evolve from year one to year two with Davis at the controls? And I know you have a new coordinator in Pep, but he's been here, like you said. Ben McDaniels has been here. Danny Barrett, that kind of thing. Yeah. Realistically, offensively, it's just a matter of different things mean the same thing. So there's this translation period that you go through. Okay, we called this last year. Okay, we're going to call this a little bit differently. It might be the same type of concept. So it's, it's kind of like learning a new language more than anything else. So you just have to familiarize yourself with what the language actually means, what that says. And then as a player, you have to take that input and say, okay, this is what I need to do on the play. It, the bottom line is it's about being able to execute plays at a fast rate and offensively move the ball and score points, that's not going to change. So however you do that, however you construct the offense, that's going to be important. We're going to the combine very, very soon. Didn't have a combine last year. What's the main thing that you want to get accomplished, Nick, when you get to the combine? Really, the combine is about information. Like if you were to boil it down to what is the combine about, it's about information. So it's information about uh, draft prospects, whether it's from a health standpoint, whether it's from a personal standpoint. It's sometimes a first introduction to that player on a personal level because the underclassmen, not all underclassmen will have attended an all-star yeah. game. There's a few sure. that have declared that, you know, they'll go down there and be part of the senior bowl more than anything else. So it's about getting information. So whether it's from players or, you know, you're going to talk to different people throughout the league on other teams. So it's about information, every, you know, agents. So there's a lot of people that are there. Um, so you kind of have to sift through, like, good information, what information you're getting that's actually usable. It's no different than what we're trying to do during the fall with sure. draft prospects. So when you go into a school, you talk to so-and-so, okay, is this source a good source? Is it an A source? Is it a B source? Are you really getting good information? Is it the right information? Or, you know what, it might just say, hey, you know what, let's do a deeper dive onto this piece of information that might be able to help us in creating an assessment of the player. So that's the biggest thing. I mean, I would say on a personal level, the workouts for me are a little bit overrated. Um, I think, you know, it doesn't mean they're not important, right. but – they have this body of work that they've established over the course of their career. So it's important to the player. They, they spend a lot of time, resources, and train because they want to put a good product forward and, and make a best, the best account of themselves as possible. But you just have to be careful about We've seen many players who they test really well. Okay, does that testing translate over onto the field in terms of what you see in terms of the actual play speed, their strength, their explosiveness, those types of things. So – I would say that's probably the main thing is just it's an information source and what information you utilize and how you apply that to your process will be the most important thing for us. How do the new coaches in the building help with the draft process? What kind of role do they have? It's a good question. I would say just philosophically, we try to streamline as much as possible. So you don't want to just give them a full buffet of everything. Like, so here you go. Here's, you know, 60 players. Like, let's get some information. But 
maybe they've recruited a player. You know, if you're if coaches that were in college, maybe they were part of the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. So okay, they have a little bit more information relative to their background. So whether they recruited them, whether they coached them, whether they in the NFL were, you know, I think this is more on the free agent front, but whether there's a player that worked with that particular coach, another team that might be a free agent. So you have resources in your building, so you might as well utilize the resources that you have. But as far as what we put on the actual coaches, we'll give them some players to evaluate. I think really the time that they're spending right now is allocating on the scheme and kind of going back through our cut-ups, seeing some of the things that we did last year for the new coaches, learning our players, how they play, what are their strengths, what do they see, Okay, and then they get that information to the coordinator and just make sure that we are in alignment in terms of our vision for the player. If we see a player differently, then let's have a discussion about it, whether or not it makes sense for that player moving forward to be a part of our program. Given the timeline, the fact that Combine is coming up next week, kind of first week of March-ish, then the league year ends, and then you got free agency right after that. How does all that kind of fit together for you? You did say it, when you get to the Combine, you know, a lot of information, whether it's about prospects or free agents. How does that kind of come together, Nick, that timeline for you that, hey, we got to talk to all these prospects, but then we got to turn around and be ready for the league year with free agency coming up? You're really doing things concurrently. So just kind of going back, so from a timeline perspective, so as soon as we finished up with the coaching staff um, this past week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we kind of had our second round of draft meetings. So we're going through our draft analysis, our preparation, our vision for the player, how we see the player in our system. But in conjunction with that, you know, on the, our pro staff is evaluating kind of the pre-agent board, if you will. Right. So we've actually met um, over the last couple of days. We've gone in. We've kind of made an evaluation of the board. So you're kind of taking all the information, yeah. and it all kind of fits together. So you just kind of deal with the time and the present. So with the combine, all right, you're focused on you have X number of formal interviews. You get 45 formal interviews. Okay, make sure that you understand, know who those players are. Obviously, you hope that you've watched those players, and then there's something specific you're going to ask them about. Okay, so then when you're not doing that, you might be having a discussion with agents about, okay, here's my list of free agents. Okay, and you know ahead of time whether there's a player that you might be interested in. So you're taking that kind of pool of information and kind of putting that over here. And then as soon as the combine is over, there's the pro day component that will come into play. So you want to allocate your resources and your staff accordingly. But by the same token, all right, we're going to really kind of pool our, our, our efforts into a focus group, if you will, from a free agent standpoint and try to get more information. And the market's going to dictate, in a lot of cases, like, A, whether or not a player is even going to be available for your team or he's going to cost a certain level. So if you pay X number for this player here, then there's three or four other players you're, you're probably going to lose. So how do we balance all that off? Ultimately, that's kind of be my responsibility. But you're relying on a lot of different people just kind of set the table and then just try to put an action plan in place that we think makes sense, understanding it could change at the drop of a hat. All right, Nick, we're going to catch up at the Combine next week. Right now it is Draft Wednesday. It is. So we would like you to participate in this Wednesday's draft. Are you and, willing? Sure, yeah. Okay, I don't right. know how good I'll be. So, but. <laughs> well, well, here's here's the way it goes. You had five draft picks last year. Okay. So we're going with five draft picks. This is as easy as it gets. But every draft comes with a caveat, Okay. You are to pick your favorite quarterback, running back, and three pass catchers. However you want to split that up, retired from the NFL, so nobody in the league. Okay. Quarterback, running back, three pass catchers. You want to go three tight ends, you go three tight ends. Okay. If you want to go with two wideouts, two wideouts. That's up to you. What about a receiving running back? That you got to do in running back. Okay. That you got to do All in right. running back. All right, just checking. <laughs> just checking. Don't try to skirt the system okay. here. All right, so okay. we're not doing, like, rounds here. This is just – No, we're, we're going to do rounds. Oh, this we'll is do rounds. rounds. Yeah. You start – 
Mark will go second. But there are we'll other rules. There's one caveat. Mark and I cannot pick anybody from the Texans or Oilers. You cannot pick anybody from the Patriots. So what if the player was at, with other franchises? That's fine. And then the Patriots were part of the – Oh, boy. But that's like that, Vrabel and all these people. I don't know, Johnny. Why don't we just say no Texans, no Patriots? Or how many years they were actually on the Patriots. Okay. okay you're let's good. say less than th- uh, four okay. years. We'll Is give that you fair? That. We'll give you that. <laughs> Is that fair? Well, he's already that's way fine. ahead of us. He's that's playing fine. chess and we're playing checkers. <laughs> no, that's fine. All that's right. Fine. No Texans or Oilers over here. No Patriots. What's your <laughs> – I got the computer here to that check. Were less than, that were on the team for less than four years. Okay. okay. All, right. All right. I know that we know that takes out a few. Who gets the first pick? He does, of course. Okay. okay. First now, pick. you don't have to go quarterback, running back in that order. You could pick so how you want. Quarterback, running back, and then three. Three pass call catchers. Three, so between yeah. tight ends. You can go yeah. anywhere you Receivers. want with that. I'll keep track of it over here. Okay. okay. You get the first pick of the draft. Right. I don't even know. The, no so pressure. Was, was Moss on the team less than four years? <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I think it was, it was seven, eight, nine, and then he went to Tennessee. Yeah. All right. So I'll go with Moss. Okay. All right. Good choice. <laughs> he didn't he go Vikings. into the Hall, and he went into the Hall of Fame as a, as a Viking, right? So yeah, he kind of right. is not yeah. a Patriot. There you go. All right, you get so. Woody. There you go. Mark, you go. Wait, what? Did, oh, I'm I'm next. You're second. I'm You're next second, on this and one. I snake back the other way. All right, I'm gonna go Kellen Winslow Senior. Nice. All right. Like that. I still think he's the greatest receiving tight end possibly anyway. Okay. So now we snake back and I get two picks. So you get Kellen Winslow. I like it. Now we can take Patriots. Okay. And guys that were there. All right. So you know I got to go with the tight end who I think is arguably the greatest of all time. That's Rob Gronkowski. So I'm going Gronk. But is he retired? Oh, wait. He's not retired, Johnny. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Just killing it. Take that back. Thank goodness. For okay, Nick I'm just trying to abide by the rules here. I would have right. caught that tomorrow. I said, you know what? He retires tomorrow, and it's bomb. It's on both of them. All right, I'm going to take Anthony Gonzalez <laughs> from the Chiefs and the Falcons, and then I'm going to take my quarterback because nobody has. And I want to do some multiple things with my offense. I want to be able to run and throw, and he was in the league well before RPOs. Oh, and no, actually- you're going to ruin it for me. John Elway Broncos. Darn it. He took my quarterback. He's retired. All right. All right. He's okay. retired. He took my quarterback. So I'm fair. All right, Mark. Uh, I'll go really old school and take Walter Payton as my running back. That's a good one. Because he can do uh, everything. He plays in this area. He's going to catch a lot of balls, right, Nick? All right. I see, I yeah. see where you go. Okay, so I was going to take have... Jim Brown, who I bet could catch the ball a lot in today's offenses <laughs> yeah, well, because he played lacrosse, and you have to catch that little ball. Anyway, go ahead. Walter Payton's got to throw. He can also throw two. All right, snake back. So you got so picks two and three. Picks. You got two picks here. I have two picks. Your first pick. Okay. I'm going to probably Moss. go off the board here. I don't think anybody is really expecting this, but I'm going to take Bryant Westbrook. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Versatile weapon. I love that pick. Okay, <laughs> really he was good never a Patriot. Played at Villanova. Was, yeah, really good He was good never player. a Patriot. Was never a Patriot. <laughs> okay. We played against him in the Super Bowl. I believe he was on the Super Bowl team when we played the Eagles in 2004. Yeah, whatever year yeah, that was in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Okay, so there's your running back. All right, so I'm going to – Now, gonna, wait a second. You want to put him at pass catcher or you can put him at running back? We'll figure that out later. But wait, this is the whole beauty of it. You said you couldn't put a running back at pass but we'll, catcher. We'll treat him as a running we'll back. We'll treat him as a so. running back. We'll treat yeah. him as a running back. Okay. All right, your All right, snake so, back pick. And I'm going to quarterback. I'm going to go even more old school but his game would probably resonate in the NFL today would be Roger Staubach. Ooh, very nice. 
Very nice. That was unexpected. I'm, believe me, I'm probably going to get crushed for this draft, so hopefully our draft for the Texas is better. But those are good football players. Listen, I, mean. I hate to say this, but there are a lot of Cowboys listeners out there, and they're going, yes, they know exactly what you did. That's a, it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous pick. Too. It's not John Elway. but He was can. an unbelievable player. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He was great. Round three, go. Uh, I should, I'm going to take my quarterback right back. now before. Well, you're not going to steal my quarterback. Take Peyton so. Manning. Do it. No, I'm going to take Joe Montana. Oh, okay. I'm going to take Joe Montana. Okay. Because I'm staying with my old school theme today. Thank you. Okay. All right. And now I stake back. I get two. So you get two picks. wide receiver. This is going to way back machine. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorites of all time, old school, Lance Allworth. We'll stretch the field. Oh, my gosh. You're going old one school. Of my, one of my Great faves. Hands. Great hands. Always going with him. And then because I've got Allworth, I can stretch the field. Mm-hmm. And then more recently retired. I was always a fan. I heard one of my favorite scouting stories about this guy. I'm going with Megatron because I can't go with Andre, so I'm going with Megatron as my receiver. So I Calvin had, Johnson. I had that thought, too, of going with Megatron. But you got to get your receivers now. I got to get my receivers. You got to get your receivers. So Mark has a pick, then I have a pick. Then you get two. Then you get two. I never get, two. To, I never get the double. I no, never get, you don't. Because I'm in the middle here. That's fine. You're in the middle. I'll get, I guess I'll take Jerry Rice. I guess. <laughs> Why right. not? You know, you have I, to settle. I, I have to settle for Jerry yeah. Rice. Four seven speed. He'll never amount Montana to anything. Montana to Rice. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you got one pick left, Mark. You need a wide receiver. I need a running back. Nick, you need a wide receiver, and you need two wide receivers. I need two wide receivers. You've already got uh, Randy Moss. I didn't pick a tight end, did I? Oh no. You or or t- you pick a tight right. end to yeah, two pass catchers, catch another catcher. receiver. Of any kind, yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's tough. Uh. I, I can't pick another uh, <laughs> uh, Dallas tight end. No, I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna my, for my tight end. I'm gonna pick Mike Mike Ditka. Ooh, very good. Get people. Blocked. We're have a, we're gonna have an old school hard nosed football team. <laughs> yes, that's what we're gonna have. Okay, somebody's gonna get bloody. <laughs> so you got a you got a pass catcher left. Another tight end, a oh, wide receiver. Okay, um, I got another receiver. You got one more before Mark picks his final pick. Uh, okay, what if I need to think about? Can I pass my pick to Mark and let me just think about my last? Okay. Receiver. Like, for, is that... for you, we'll make this decision. <laughs> is this like when Minnesota you. didn't turn well, in a card? <laughs> yeah, so sprint up there. You both need pass we actually, catchers. We have a dra- I have a draft story, so I think it was the year we picked Gronkowski. Like, we had a race to turn the card in because mm-hmm. I think we were moving either up or down, and then we moved ahead. So we were, like, literally, like, telling our uh, person on the other end, Sprint to the stage <laughs> with to the go card? ahead and get the card in. So yeah, did, we were able to get it in. Now that you can talk about, it, I guess years later, <laughs> how much did his back injury? Did you ever worry about the injuries he had? Was no, that I anything you it, ever worried we felt about? With comfortable enough in the end to, to make that selection. So and you know it was, it, you know it's it, honestly you go back however many years ago that was when yeah. the player hadn't played, he missed a year. But you know there's more players that end up missing a year. Yeah. I mean Bosa, Nick, you know missed a, a decent yeah, amount. That's true. So that's true. There's some different people that you know have missed okay X number of time. Uh, a lot of time. All right, sprint your card up there. You need a pass catcher. Okay, I'm going to go back to my uh, San Diego Superchargers and pick Wes Chandler. Wow. Wes Chandler. I like that. Receiver. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. If I, I could, I would take Chuck Muncie, too, to run the rock. But I'm Mark and I were actually I, we're thinking similarly. So I'm going to take from another receiver one of the Marks brothers. I'm going to take Mark Clayton. Ooh, nice. <sighs> okay. All right, I need a running back, and now this one becomes. So you took <laughs> – Westbrook and Peyton. So you have left me arguably the greatest running back all time. 
I've already got a lion, so mm-hmm. I might as well go with the second one. Right. Or I'm going to go with uh, go with Sealy, Texas on Eric Dickerson. You can't go wrong. No, I can't. <laughs> I mean, no, I can't. We need but, like 10 people in this draft to start having people go wrong. I'll go – I'll go Dickerson. I always like watching him, and my very smooth. My runner. budget's yeah. very high, so I mean, he'll be able, <laughs> I'll be able to afford him. So, here's what we did. I came up with John Elway, Eric Dickerson. My pass catchers were Anthony Gonzalez, Lance Allworth, Calvin Johnson. Mark, you came up with Joe Montana thrown to Jerry Rice, Wes Chandler, Kellen Winslow. Your running back is Walter Payton, and Nick, you came up with old school Roger Staubach, <laughs> running back Ryan Westbrook, and your wide receivers. Randy Moss, Mike Ditka at tight end, and Mark Clayton. Well done. That well done. Is nice. First time coming for a draft, showing up for a draft. Yeah. Nice job. I did my best. You did your, you did your best. Now, we've drafted everything before, Nick, including yes. foods. So yes. stay tuned. I'm the wrong source on that, as we all know. I'll but, keep my. Well, I mean, in the draft, aren't you always looking for inefficiencies? You would have been like right down the lane of all the fruits, vegetables, and whatever things that we were definitely not going to draft at all. Next so. week, have you ever done a cleanse? Okay, no, we'll get I have to that not. in a future show. No, you I never have. I don't, oh. Yeah, I don't think I need to do a cleanse. So right. I'll stay away from that. Nick, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I'm telling you, that's about as much fun as I've had on radio in a, a very long time. The fact that our general manager sat down to do one of our draft Wednesday drafts with us and then corrected me that Gronk is not retired. Killing me, killing me. But I'm telling you, mad respect for Nick Casario to hop in and just have some fun on radio. We'll have him next week at the Combine, so I'm sure we'll have plenty of serious-type questions. But the fact that he took the time to just jump in and talk ball and do it the way that Mark and I do on a Wednesday is uh, very very cool. So you definitely, uh, if you didn't get all of that, go to HoustonTexas.com. You get the uh, all-access page, get the podcast, get this first segment, and check it out. One guy we had a chance to catch up with yesterday was George Warhop, offensive line coach. We had never talked to him. We had never met him. It was the first time we had a chance to chat with him, and he was awesome. George Warhop, next, right here on Texans All Access. I don't know if at some point in my life I just was bitten by the offensive line bug, but I absolutely love talking to offensive line coaches. And it was always fun getting a chance to talk to Mike Devlin and to James Campin, and finally to George Warhop. Welcome back to Texans All Access. I'm John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. Mark and I had the chance to sit down with the Texans new offensive line coach, George Warhop. He is awesome. And we, boy, I'm telling you, there are times when I talk to people and I'm like, yeah, I could listen for an hour. Keep going, keep going. And you'll hear it when we talk to George Warhop right now. Welcome to Houston. Great to have you with us. How's it been so far? Your reaction to being here, part of the organization under Lovey Smith? Uh, it's been a whirlwind so far, but uh, in terms of being with Lovey, I'm excited. Coach, have you ever been to Texas? Has Texas ever been in your purview, so to speak? Uh, you know, my mom grew up here in Houston. She went to Yates High School. Oh, so, wow. wow. So as a kid, uh, we spent a lot of time here. I have a sister that lives here as well. I have cousins here, so I've spent a lot of time yeah. in Houston in my formative years. But you then moved to California? Is that where you no, went to high school, grew up there? What? I was born and raised in California. Okay. My mom grew up here in Houston. So. Okay. But, yeah, I'm a California kid. 
All right, California kid, you went to Cincinnati, right, to play? Yes, uh, I went to junior college first out of high school, then to Cincinnati. All right, and you've coached a bunch of places here. This is interesting to me. Uh, talk about a few of the stops here, Coach, because I think that all the experience you have is really going to help this team. How does it change? How do you evolve as a coach when you're coaching at different stops in the National Football League in particular? Uh, that's a pretty broad, deep question right yeah. there. I mean um, – I can just start, you know, when I when I left Boston College and and went to the Rams um, as a coach, you know, I, I had some success in college and I, I thought I knew it all, right? <laughs> uh, and then uh, you go to the Rams. I went to the Rams and I was an assistant there for two years. And then I went to Arizona. I had the line by myself. And uh, that was an experience because you really come to find out the first time you have them by yourself in the NFL, you know half of what you think you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's a process. Right, and the process never stops. So you're always learning and growing, uh, and figuring out how to get the best out of your players. So, so for me, that first experience to now, I mean, uh, I'm always learning and growing. Uh, I learn a lot from my players. Um, get a lot of information from them, in terms of how I give information, how they understand what we're trying to get done, and how I get it across. Um, what's best, uh, and I can tell what I do to them for the most part. Coach, what's changed the most since you got into the league? I mean, technology has become a, a really big part of a lot of things. I know that we do. I know that teams do. What's been the biggest change for you since you got into the league? Uh, just the amount of information, right? And really what's changed to me is just the, what players can grasp. Uh, you, you can be really putting to the cutting edge of things. And yeah. as I say, we can play dirty a lot more <laughs> uh, because the players have a better understanding of what could happen from yeah. from a scheme standpoint. When you're looking at a defense, you can explain something. They, you know, they're in this front. They can only do certain things because of coverage, right? Uh, when you started, we talked a little bit about coverage, but now we talk a lot about coverage. Coach George Warhop joining us on Texans Radio. We always say the O-line is the closest position group on the team. Why is that in your opinion? Because uh, we won't survive if we're not. Okay. Uh, we, we have to be joined at the hip, myself included. Uh, myself and Hal, we have to be tied to these guys. These guys have to be tied to one another. Uh, there's got to be uh, absolute trust, right? Uh, so when they're out there playing, uh, we always start off, you know, we have specific calls and way we communicate. But when they start playing, it might be a grunt. It might be a look. It might be a tap. <laughs> it might be whatever uh, to get things done. So for us to survive, uh, we got to be joined at the hip. I mean, super tight. Most importantly – are you going to get fined for doing this interview with us, being on the radio? <laughs> uh, we'll figure that out. When we, start, when we start meeting together, those fines will be going back and forth because I have no problem finding them either. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll try not to get them on the radio, I guess, if they're going to end up getting fined, although they are, they are some of the more cerebral guys you're going you're gonna, to uh, meet. Could you, th- you mentioned coverage, which is pretty, pretty interesting. When you – are, are looking at young players, players coming out of college and you're bringing them to the NFL. Is that something that you're looking for them to see whether they have a knowledge of that? Or is that something, hey, this might be new to you. You're learning the whole NFL game, but we're going to teach you to look at the full picture as opposed to just your little sense of Is that something you look for as you start to look at young players? No, I, I think that's happening in college, right? Uh, boundary pressures, tackles making yep. calls. So uh, that's something that's, that's ongoing. Most guys come into the league having to do some of that, yeah. uh, seeing the back end and making their calls. Uh, but way back when, a lot of teams weren't coaching that. Right. What was it like working with Lovey Smith prior to this at Tampa Bay? 
Uh, I, I love working with Lovey. Um, one thing about Lovey now, uh, he's pretty clear about what he wants, what the expectations are for the coaches, for the players. Um, and if you like understanding what's expected, you want to work and play for Lovey, right? There's never any gray. He's going to be pretty matter of fact. And as you guys know, Lovey's even killed, doesn't yell, doesn't scream, mm-hmm. okay, doesn't cuss, uh, none of that. He just says, this is what I want, this is what I expect, and that's that. And uh, for me, as a coach, I, I don't think you can be in a better environment. I've got another former coach you worked with, Bill Parcells with the Dallas Cowboys. What was that like? Uh, that was probably the greatest learning experience I've ever had as a coach. Uh, Bill is difficult to work with at times, right? Mm-hmm. He's very demanding and whatnot. Um, but once you understand what he wants, okay, and you understand how he wants to go about building a roster, how he wants to play, uh, I still use a lot of the stuff I learned from him even today. So it was probably uh, the best experience I've had from a learning standpoint uh, throughout my career in the NFL. Coach, I know a lot of our listeners over the last couple of years, the the run game here in Houston, I'm sure you've probably been – beat over the head with this, but the run game in Houston has not been good the last couple of years. I think we've been near the bottom of the league, if not the bottom of the league, in the run game the last couple of years. I know our listeners, our fans are like, when are we going to get a running game? So I'll put the question to you not so much, when are we getting a running game, but I'll ask it this way. What's most important to being successful in the running game in the NFL? Consistency. Okay. Um, you just got to be consistent from a technique standpoint. You got to be consistent in how you approach it. Um, you know, my big thing is we want to be physical, right? We want to come off the ball. We want strain finish. We want surge finish. Um, you know, as you look at the D linemen in this league, especially the interior guys, some of these dudes are monsters, right? Yeah. So to say we're going to go take a guy off the line of scrimmage four yards, and we're smoking dope if we're talking like that, <laughs> yeah. right? But what we want to do is, is get our fits, bring our feet after contact. We want to surge finish. And if a guy's trying to make a play on our back, we want to force arm tackles, right? Yep. So when our back's running through the line of scrimmage, which should be a three-yard run, is going to turn into a five-yard run with our surge and his surge. Mm. Uh, so it's just a mentality, um, technique-wise, and an understanding that, uh, you know, if we do our part, okay, we'll take care of the first and second level and then incorporating the receivers to, to do a great job with the third-level players. And that's when you start having a real successful running game. Here we are in draft prep. Combine is coming up, Coach, and the draft and evaluating potential selections. What do you see in college athletes that translates, and what do you see that you say, well, look, he's going to have to develop this, this, and this, and everybody needs to get better. I get that, but what are you looking for in a young player? Uh, I'm pretty particular about what I look for. Uh, I look for things that I can't coach. Um, So – uh, I, I got a thing for length. I want my guys to have length. I want my guys to have athleticism. I want them to have quickness and change of direction. Uh, and they got to have toughness. That's got to be displayed on tape. Uh, the rest of it, if they fit those things, uh, then that's up to us to get them to play to the level we want them to play. Coach, do you have a pretty defined – I know we go through this a lot. Do you have a pretty defined thought process between guard and tackle? Guy plays guard or play tackle in college, and he's going to maybe project into guard. You hear a lot, a lot of times. Is too much made about that? Guy can play, you just find a spot for him. How do you kind of look at guard and tackle in particular? Uh, no, that, that's 100% accurate. I mean, there's certain guys that can do both, and there's certain guys that are one-position guys yeah. or inside guys, outside guys. Um, again, number one, length, yeah. right? Uh, it's very difficult to play tackle if your length is less than 33. Yeah. And to me, if it's less than 34, 
Yeah. Okay, you can play guard with a 33, 32 and a half, somewhere in that range. Uh, so if you don't have the length as a tackle. You're not you're, talking waist size here, by the no. way. No. Arm length, maybe. It's arm. Right, so. I'm like, uh, these guys are pretty skinny, actually. All right. And then a range at tackle, right? So you need to have the guys that have vertical range at tackle because they got to work off the line of scrimmage. Uh, guards are looking at horizontal range. How far can they stretch on the line of scrimmage? And then the next thing is just pop and explosion internally, right? You got to have a guy inside a guard that has some girth and some strength in his hips and his lower body that can displace the line of scrimmage. That is not as important as a tackle. So there, there is some defined differences. There's some guys that can do both. Yep. Uh, but most of your very best tackles, they're tackles, right? Um, some of your very best guards have been transition guys that started off as tackles and have gone inside. Uh, and then in college, a lot of those guys that are playing guard, they also transfer or transition to play in center, yep. right? Just because they can get away with smaller guys at, 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 uh, in college that mm-hmm. have to play inside and have to go to center. All right, I've got one more for you, and I have to ask you this now because who knows when we get to talk again. But uh, one of your stops, London Monarchs, offensive coordinator. <laughs> How was that experience? What was that, a couple of seasons in the 90s? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Uh, the first year we won the championship, the second year we weren't as good. Um, uh, but quite an experience, right? Uh, we got together in Orlando, uh, drafted a team, put it together, Um Everybody went about it differently. Uh, our head coach was Larry Kennan. He had he knew a lot of these guys from the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took a lot of renegades. I mean, we had some guys <laughs> <laughs> that were, were renegades, and Larry managed them. Uh, and you talking about a group that came together. I mean, it was such a varied background of guys. Uh, and we were in a, a dorm in London or in Bushy, uh, London, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and these guys were joined at the hip, and from various backgrounds, all came together. All they cared about was winning. Uh, our practices were phenomenal. I mean, they were so competitive and aggressive and physical, and then it just transferred to the games, and we just ran people over. I mean, it was – you went out and played. Our defense was dominant. Our offense was dominant. It was it was really phenomenal. Coach, how much would it – I mean, the NFL is doing pretty well on its own. But how much <laughs> would it help to have a demel- developmental league like – having something that like what was in London. I mean, obviously the, the, the story everybody knows is Kurt Warner went over there to Amsterdam and, and tore it up after being in the arena league. But how important would it be to have a developmental league that had a connection with the NFL to allow players like they did back in the nineties, like you guys had, I think it'd be helpful. Um, I mean, when you look at from my, from my position, right, guys coming out of college, uh, they're in spread offenses. They're working out of two point yep. stances. Uh, they don't understand the pro game. Uh, if you could put them in the situation, these guys that are your practice squad guys, these backing into your roster right. guys, and put them in that situation when they get game time. You know, we play 10 games. That's that's huge when these guys come back. Uh, I know the last time uh, the World League was around, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was with San Francisco, and we had a kid named Harvey Dahl, right? Yep. Um, Harvey was signed as a free agent by Dallas. They cut him. We signed him in the summer of his rookie year. Uh, he made our practice squad. The next year we sent him to London. He came back. He made our team. He made wow. our team. Um, the next year, uh, we had a numbers crunch, so we put him on the practice squad. Atlanta assigned him off our practice squad, and he played for, I don't know, nine or ten years. Yeah. And Harvey was a very good player. Um, so it was really helpful to him. Had another guy named Tony Raggy that did the same thing. He was kind of a back end of the roster guy. He went over and played, came back, made our team, played five or six years after that. So if you can get these young guys playing time, that they can hone their craft, I think it would be advantageous for the NFL because uh, I think quarterbacks and offensive line are the hardest places to develop. 
they need time. They need time on the field. They need true game time. And if you can get them that, I think it's only going to advance the game. Coach, thank you so much for the visit. Best of luck. Thank you. I know our guys at Sports Radio 610 have been playing a lot of the cuts from the assistant coaches when they went up to meet with the media. So I didn't get a chance to hear too many of those, but just listening to, the, to our guys, they spoke so highly of what George had to say, listened to his cuts, talking about you know, the measurement. And then you, see, you heard I asked that question too. He didn't bring up yards per carry, but he did bring up consistency, consistency in what they do. And then he went on and talked football speak, which was just orgasmic for me, if you will. So it's really cool to hear from George Warhop, new offensive line coach for your Houston Texans. Coming up next, Drew Doherty and I discuss the number two prospect on the Harris 100. He plays defensive end as an edge rusher from the University of Michigan. He is Aiden Hutchinson. We'll discuss him next on Texans All Access. It's All Access. It's All Access. Here we go. One final segment on this draft Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. We're going to talk a little draft here on In the Lab. I'm John Harris. My co-host on In the Lab is Drew Doherty. We talked about Aiden Hutchinson. But we begin with Aiden Hutchinson. A lot of folks have him as the very best player in this draft, the number one overall prospect. I uh, as an exercise, and I would recommend this to anyone who wants to learn more about uh, the draft process and the draft prospects this year, I'd A, make sure you check out the Harris 100 that John does when it's coming out. But B, I'd go to places like pff.com, thedraftnetwork.com, and do their mock draft simulations. They're very fun exercises. I've gotten in the habit of about once a week sending one, one that I do to John and saying, hey, look who the 2022 Texans got. Because the one today Got some defensive line help, got a playmaker at wide receiver, got a playmaker in the defensive backfield. It was pretty fun. But tell me about Aiden Hutchinson, John Harris. What do you think? There's so much to like about Aiden. It's funny. I, I read an article today by Shell Capeta, who writes for The Athletic. He says 10 things your organization should not do this offseason. And I think it was number two or number three was don't fall in love with anybody, which is really good advice. And it's funny because over the years, this was probably about four or five years ago, Mike Meltzer and Seth Payne were doing morning radio and I was driving into the stadium and the two of them actually had a discussion going back and forth about me being the GM of the team. And I'm just like, oh my God, I almost drove off the road, but they made some valid points. And then Mike said, this is the one thing I would worry about is that John does fall in love with prospects. That is very true. And Hutchinson is one of those guys. And it's hard not to, I know I'm, I'm not alone there. And when I say that, I really, really think Aiden Hutchinson is following in the footsteps of guys like Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, guys that can just wreck a game off the edge. He is incredibly athletic for a guy that's 6'5", 6'6", 270, 275. Uh, I mean, you see him and you're, you're like, whoa, is he 250? And then you don't know. He's 270. <laughs> He's legit size. He is legit athletically twitchy off the edge. He is violent with his hands. He's what you want a 4-3 defensive end to be. But if a team that drafts him runs a 3-4 and they want to stand him up as an outside linebacker and do some of those things, I think he would be just as effective in those particular schemes. I, in 2020, and you know I do this, Drew, it's about this time where I start looking forward to the – not the – coming draft the following draft right 
So I'm about a week away from really diving into 2023. I actually keep two databases, one the current one and one coming up. So I was doing that for 2020. This is a couple of years ago. And I'm watching it. It's Quiddy Pay and it's Aiden Hutchinson. And I'm watching them both. And I can't, man, wow. I'm really like torn on which guy I think is better, which guy is more athletic. And then Quiddy Pay goes in the draft and you see all the things he did at his pro day. And you're like, yo, that dude's athletic. Well, if that dude's athletic, then that means Hutchinson is, oh my God, he is that good. <laughs> and it was just that Hutchinson had an injury in 2020, came back, I think obviously did the right thing and coming back because he had that year. He, he had that year that got everybody's attention. He took his game to a different level. His hands are tremendous. Um, he plays at one of the great universities in the country, in the University of Michigan. Um, so from that perspective, I think Aiden Hutchinson would be an absolutely fantastic selection at number three if it happens. And when you sent me your mock draft and he was at the top, I said, done. I like the rest of the guys. But getting Hutchinson, teaming in with a guy like John Grenard, uh, those are your two edge guys. Um, I think you could do way, way, way worse than that. I still see him going past two. I, I mean, I guess stranger things happen, but I don't, I don't see that happen. I know maybe he's not the first guy, but I don't, I don't see two teams passing him up. Here's what we need. Here's what we need, Drew. We need for the Lions. Brad Holmes, GM of the Lions, when he was down in Mobile, he did an interview, I think it was Tom Pelissaro, while it was raining during practice. He said, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we'll move. Yeah, come on. So what we need is for some team to fall in love with a player not named Aiden, to fall in love with a quarterback, potentially, and want to move with Detroit, thinking the Texans might take a quarterback and get in front of the Texans, and then that drops Hutchinson to number three, and then pounce, and away you go. That's, huh. that's kind of my hope. But if Detroit doesn't do that, Detroit's sitting at two. I mean, young man was born in Michigan. Played at Michigan. The Lions need edge help. It makes all kinds of sense in the world for Hutchinson to go to Detroit at number two if the Jags don't do it at number one. When I was listening back to In the Lab and I heard myself say that, it took me back to the 2018 draft. And we didn't have any first-rounders that night, so our draft party wasn't until the next night. And we were down in the, in the digital studio where I was doing In the Lab. And Dre, Mark, and I were doing the draft. And as... The draft is moving down into the mid to late 20s, and it's getting down there. Lamar Jackson is still sitting on the board. And I'm sitting next to Dre, and Dre got to know Lamar very well. In fact, as, as Lamar was in the green room, Dre and Lamar are texting each other. And Dre's just telling him, hey, hang in there, man. It's going to happen. And so the Jags are coming up on the board, and they have Blake Bortles as a quarterback. And I remember thinking, no, Dre and I look at each other like, he cannot go Lamar Jackson cannot go to Jacksonville. He cannot go to Jacksonville. He cannot go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville Jaguars select and we're holding our breath. Taven Bryan, we cheered. If the Jacksonville Jaguars pass on Aiden Hutchinson at number one, I think I will have the same reaction. I think I'm going to cheer. No. That's all for tonight's show. Really appreciate George Warhop for joining us. Appreciate Mark, uh, my man Chris Santiago, but a huge, massive thanks to Nick Casario for being along for the ride, basically. I mean, he just he jumped right in with Mark and I, didn't bat an eye, did our Wednesday night draft, and was absolutely awesome. You guys are the best. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans.